Ozark Highlands Radio is brought to you by the Ozark Folk Center State Park in Mountain View, Arkansas. A wonderful way to enjoy yesterday. On the web at OzarkFolkCenter.com. And by Stone Bank, a community bank supporting entrepreneurs and farmers nationwide with loans guaranteed by the USDA, SBA, and Farm Services Agency. Learn more at StoneBank.com. And the Arkansas Arts Council, empowering the arts for the benefit of all Arkansans. On the web at ArkansasArts.org. <laughs> Greetings, everybody. This is Dave Smith, host of Ozark Highlands Radio. Welcome to our show. This week, we'll be celebrating music from our neighbors to the south as we feature the Savoie family, some of the finest Cajun musicians alive today. Our guest host, Charlie Sandage, will take us deep into nearby Blanchard Springs Caverns. And, of course, I'll be visiting with my old buddy, Mark Jones, down in the vault. All that and more this week on Ozark Highlands Radio. If you look at a map of Arkansas, you'll see a lot of French names. The fouche Lafave River, Magazine Mountain, even our capital city, Little Rock, was once called La Petit Roche. So it's no surprise that we love the lively Cajun music of our neighbors in South Louisiana. We got a real treat a while back when we were visited by Mark and Anne Savoie and their two grown sons, Joel and Wilson. Here's a lively set of tunes from the Savoie family.
mom. The only thing that we knew as a career whenever we grew up was music. Both of our parents uh, played music. My mom wrote a book about music. She was the kind of a folklorist and a recording artist. My dad built instruments and played music, and they both toured all the time. So uh, it was very natural for us to just grow up playing music. It would have been weirder for us to grow up doing anything other than that, I would say. Uh, I have an older sister and then me, and then my younger brother, and then we have a young, the youngest in the family is our youngest sister. It was never said to us that we have to play music. It was a natural step for us to sure. take to play music, but nobody ever said, you have to do this, you have to do this. Nobody said you have to, that, nobody ever told me that I have to play the fiddle or that I have to get into recording music. That stuff just happened naturally. I think, uh, given the way that I grew up, if I did not ever learn to play music, that I still would be involved in music. Right now I do a engineering recording engineering and i have a studio and a record label i think i probably would have still done that because i really like the technical side of music the electronic side and things like that Walking 
Well, the way that the family bands started, we all grew up playing music and we all learned different instruments and played music in the house. Every morning when I was in high school, I, my room was upstairs and my brother's room was under me. And in the kitchen, there was a piano. So every morning we'd wake up and we'd hear my dad play an accordion in the kitchen. So I'd come down and I'd start playing fiddle or Wilson would go out of his room and start playing piano. And we'd just kind of sit around jamming. We all played music and we'd go to dad's uh, every his weekly jam at the music store every Saturday morning. We'd just go hang out and play some and just talk to people and stuff. And uh, at some point, some friends of my parents, Carl and Susan Brazil, ha were having their wedding anniversary party in Brobridge. They had heard us all sit around playing together. And they said to my parents, well, you and your sons come play music for the thing. And my parents, I think, had never really thought of us as a family band. I don't think we had ever thought that we would have a family band. And this just kind of kicked it off. And we did it. We're like, hey, we're a band all of a sudden. It was just, that was the epiphany right there when someone asked us to do it. It didn't occur to us naturally. I think I was 20, maybe 19 when that happened.
Oh, that's what I call some Cajun dancing right there. Tell you what. I live on land that's been in my family. I'm the eighth generation there. It's the original land grant that was given to my Acadian ancestor uh, by the Spanish government. It was an area called Savoy, named after our family. I still live on that land, and I'm surrounded by what well, was rice fields until recently, and then it was uh, soybeans, and now it's cattle and hay fields. And so the people all around me are farming folks. My grandfather, my dad's dad, the guy whose house I live in, Joel Savoy, he was a rice farmer. All around us, though, is people that farm. You know, the, the, we, the reason that most people think the accordion ended up in Louisiana is because of the German immigrants who came to just the areas where the rice fields are to farm rice. They brought the German-style accordion with them, which is the same accordion the Cajuns use. Uh, my dad likes to say, wherever you find rice in Louisiana, that's where you find the accordion-playing Cajuns. It's not down in the swamps or in the, the Atchafalaya Basin. There's no rice, or, you know, if there's rice there, then that's where the accordion was. But it started up on the prairies where all the rice paddies were. And so Cajun music kind of was born in the area that we live in. Oh, 
That was the Savoie family band playing some lively dance tunes from South Louisiana. In that set, we heard Hey Mom, Blues de Basco, The Crowley Two-Step, and a great waltz, La Tichenois, or Little Black Eyes. We've got lots more good music from the Savoie family, but after this short break, take a trip with me to see Mark Jones, our keeper of the vault. You're listening to Ozark Highlands Radio. Welcome back to Ozark Highlands Radio. I mentioned earlier I'd be taking a trip down to the vault to visit Mark Jones, and I think this would be a good time to do that. Let's go on down. Well, good afternoon, Mark. Good afternoon there, Dave. I'm glad you're down here. Well, me too. Life going good for you down here? It is. It's It's been going good. Well, good. You know, I, I'm curious what kind of music you found for me to listen to down here. What have you got this week? Well, Dave, I'm liable to have anything when <laughs> you know. come down here. There's a lot of good stuff. This particular cut is a recording of Irvin Freeze and his mother, Lily. They were around here for a long time. I knew Irvin pretty well. And uh, Lily, she kind of just stayed off to herself and was kind of quiet, but she was on up in age. Freeze family's been around a long time. In fact, there's a mountain here named Freeze Mountain, isn't it? That's true. And uh, Miss Lily, she, boy, she sings along with her son, Irvin, on this song, and it's called Let Those Brown Eyes Smile at Me. Hmm, That's not a song I'm familiar with. Let's listen to it. Okay. Now we've been sweethearts so long, darling. Wish with all 
Good to hear Irvin Freeze singing again. Who's playing the fiddle in there? That is Red Gillahan. Ah, Red. One of the best old-time fiddlers there was around here. He sure is. Well, that was good to hear that. Thank you very much, Mark. I'll see you again next week, okay? Okay, Dave. Sounds good. Mark Savoie was born and raised in the small Cajun prairie town of Eunice, Louisiana. Savoie obtained his first accordion and began playing at the age of 12. Playing the instrument led to repairing and then building accordions from scratch. Mark has built hundreds of them, and Savoie button boxes are in high demand. Anne Allen Savoie is a musician, photographer, record producer, and writer. Her destiny was sealed when she began to listen to rare recordings of Cajun 78s. After meeting and marrying Mark, she began documenting the Cajun culture, taking photographs, interviewing important musicians, and transcribing the Cajun French songs.
Yeah, my grand my grandfather, Joel Savoy, my dad's dad, did not play music at all. His brother did, and their father played the fiddle. Uh, but my dad was the first uh, in his family to play music. He started playing accordion when he was 12 years old, and uh, he became a hotshot accordion player. And, you know, he was born in 1940, so by the time he was 16, 17, he was playing dances all over the place. And, and he grew up playing with the best of the best in Cajun music, D.L. Menard, Dewey Balfa, Dot Guidry, Lionel Lula, all these great guys. Cheese Reed, he played with all of them. And uh, when he met my mom, they formed a band with Michael Doucet from the band Beausoleil. That, well, now it's from the band Beausoleil, but they formed a band and traveled all over the world. And uh, like I said, my brother and I just grew into the band eventually, and we just kind of became part of it.
Yep, so in 1966, Dad opened Savoy Music Center in Eunice, Louisiana. He was living there at the time. There's an apartment upstairs. Now he lives in his grandparents' house, which is uh, on that same plot of land. But in 1966, he opened the doors to Savoy Music Center, where he was started building his Acadian brand accordions. And uh, he's been doing that right there ever since. And uh, every Saturday morning, he hosts a jam for the last at least, I would say, probably 30 years, probably maybe more than that. But at least 30 years, he's hosted a 9 a.m. to noon jam every Saturday morning with all the old timers to come where all the old timers could come and sit down and just play music together. And it's developed into a not a performance, but people come to listen to it. But it's still not a performance. It's just a haven for the old older generation to come and sit around and play this music it's totally free it's just bring your own whatever you want they have a coffee pot and people bring donuts and boudin sometimes beer whatever uh, carl brazil the guy that got us to play our first gig him and his wife carl is over there or was over there this morning running the jam session come on y'all put your hands together now
got anything you want to say, Wilson? So this one guy came down to Louisiana, heard this song here. He probably never heard of him. His name was Hank Williams. And he heard the Cajun version and made his own version. It goes like this. Fontenot's a tippy the place is buzzing. Can folk come to see Vaughn by the dozen? Go home, wine, dress in style, me on my own. Son of a gun, gonna have big fun on the bio. That was the Savoie family band playing Grand Texas. They started that set with Jean Fille de la Campagne, which means pretty girls of the country don't marry a musician, followed by Adieu Rosa. This is music that was written and played to be danced to. I hope you're dancing to our show today like we are here in the studio. But if our producer Jeff steps on my toes one more time, that's it. Let's take a short break, followed by Charlie Sandage's guest host segment. This is Ozark Highlands Radio. Welcome back to Ozark Highlands Radio. Our friend Charlie Sandage is a musician, songwriter, and a dedicated student of folk music history. Here's Charlie. If you live anywhere near Mountain View, Arkansas, the home of the Ozark Folk Center, one of your neighbors might well be the U.S. Forest Service. And if you're a visitor here, wanting to take in the music and crafts, the rivers and the mountains, One place you'll probably plan to visit is Blanchard Springs Cavern, a well-known feature under the care of the Forest Service. But Tony Gwynn, a visitor information specialist for the agency for many years, explains that it's an unusual situation. Given its basic mission, the caverns are unique within the Forest Service. It is kind of odd for the Forest Service to have Uh, such a great feature as Blanchard Springs Caverns is highly unusual. Uh, Most things like that would be um, old 
say, turned over to National Park Service or a state park or even possibly a private entity. Uh, but the Forest Service uh, kind of got to keep it because uh, the Park Service, National Park Service, was working on the Buffalo National River. And they're, you know, it's not that far away from us. And they kind of had their hands full with that particular project. So rather than just kind of like, oh, well, and not ever do anything about it, the Forest Service decided to take it on and develop the show cave. And so, compelling as the caverns are to talk about, we'll set that aside for just a moment and explore the forest itself. It turns out that a fair-sized portion of the landscape that shapes Arkansas's image is managed by the service. Tony Gwynn. The Forest Service in Arkansas actually uh, contains three different forests. Uh, the Washita National Forest, which is uh, around Hot Springs and uh, going west to Oklahoma and actually a little bit into Oklahoma. And the part where I worked was the uh, Ozark St. Francis, which is in the Ozarks uh, primarily, and then the St. Francis, which is uh, one of the very few national forests actually located on the Mississippi River. So we kind of cover... Well, a lot of what Arkansas has to offer, um, you know, we've got mountains, we've got uh, the river, we have several rivers, actually, and uh, the, uh, the river valley, uh, just a whole lot of different um, uh, terrains and landscapes here in Arkansas. It's natural to ask how this came about in Arkansas and all across the nation. How did the Forest Service come to manage all this land and what is their mission in doing so? The National Forest Service uh, was established um, basically to restore lands that had been cut over from erosion, all kinds of things like that. Prior to the Forest Service, folks would come in and just pretty much take out every single green thing and then fires would follow that up or whatever. So then you had erosion and all kinds of uh, pretty much bad stuff happening to the land. And so the Forest Service was established pretty much to to get some trees back onto this, uh, this erosion land and uh, to get it back up to snuff. There were some major big fires uh, prior to the establishment of the Forest Service. So um, the Forest Service would go in and replant trees, um, train people in fry, you know, basically taking care of fires, fire suppression and things like that, and then ultimately to heal up that land. By law, we have to deal with timber, um, recreation, water, and wildlife, and range, which is something that most people don't think about. And here uh, in uh, the Sillamore District, we've got a ton of recreation. I mean, just boatloads of it. So that is one of our major focuses here. When the big fires break out, no matter where in the country, the Forest Service mobilizes the people and the resources needed. Pretty much um, throughout uh, the, the Forest Service career, that's always been a big deal, was, uh, you know, having a big fire. And out west, of course, you've got such different terrain from what we've got here in Arkansas. I mean, steep, uh, sided uh, canyons and things like that, different trees, a lot more and a lot more expensive houses, uh, things like that where folks are living. So you've got that added thing uh, in there. So our fire suppression uh, basically putting out fires and doing prescribed burns to make sure fires don't get started in the first place uh, is always a big deal here. Uh, fires in the West, well, you know, they've got a lot more things to burn up, 
And then they also have the added thing of mudslides, you know, because it is so steep. Fortunately, we don't have to deal with that much here in, in Arkansas. Thank goodness. <laughs> Back then to Arkansas and to the Sillamore Forest in general and Blanchard Springs Cavern in particular, Tony Gwynn knows the cave and its facilities intimately. Uh, Blanchard is an awesome feature in that it is, it's huge, it's highly decorated. I mean, just pretty much, uh, certainly on the upper level, nearly all of it is decorated with some form of uh, calcite formation. Um, it is beautiful. Uh, it really, it's, it is uh, a showpiece among caves. Uh, even people that operate other show caves say that about Blanchard. You don't have to be a caver to see these caverns. It's set up for visitors of all ages and for people of just about all descriptions. Blanchard was designed to accommodate just about anybody that wanted to go into a cave. Uh, there are elevators that you take down, not stairs. Uh, any stairs within the cave itself can be avoided. And then with all the formations that are in there, uh, there is something to delight your eye every place you look. And all the way through, the upper level being an hour tour, uh, most people are surprised when the hour gets done so quickly. And you know, it's like, are we done already? The Forest Service uh, did a great job in developing it uh, because they, they took 10 years of development. Originally, uh, they were thinking, oh, yeah, you know, we'll be done with this thing in three years. <laughs> and it ended up being 10 years of development uh, because you're trying to get things done right and done correctly. Um, and then, of course, there's always the issue of funding. But uh, once the the upper level, the dripstone trail was open to the public and everybody got to see it. The funding for the second level all came all at once. So it actually got built a lot quicker uh, than, the, than the first level. The first level is the dripstone trail. The second level is the discovery trail, which goes farther into the depths of the cavern and is a little more adventurous. Then, for someone who might be thinking about taking up serious spelunking, caving, the Wild Cave Tour might be a gateway experience. It's done by appointment only and in small groups. All equipment is furnished and trained guides are in charge. Whatever cavern experience you choose, once you're back at the entry level, other adventures are minutes away. One highlight is a massive shelter cave. And the shelter cave has been used by everybody coming to this area. I mean, the settlers used it. We know the Native Americans used it. There was the, the first um, uh, Stone County uh, Folk Festival was held down there. Uh, there's currently an amphitheater down there where people um, have weddings and uh, meetings and programs and such. Uh, you can also go to Blanchard Springs, which is where all the water exits from the cavern system. Uh, it comes out at 58 degrees. And uh, the water from the springs is dammed up to form Mirror Lake. Uh, the dam itself was built by the Civilian Conservation Corps back in the 30s and 40s and is a beautiful piece of stonework in itself. But uh, it uh, backs up the water from the springs. And since the water's 58 degrees, it's stocked with trout. So you can go down there and trout fish. And incidentally, the Mirror Lake also has an accessible boardwalk and uh, fishing pier so that if you got someone who's uh, mobility impaired, 
they can actually go down there and still fish. Um, the campgrounds are located at the bottom of the hill. Uh, the bike trail can be accessed from the bottom of the hill. Um, there are uh, swimming areas. There's two main swimming areas, the campground um, and uh, all the other hiking trails too. So you've got a full recreational experience just there at Blanchard. Blanchard Springs Cavern, the United States Forest Service, just part of the neighborhood. Thanks, Charlie. Mark and Anne Savoie's sons, who are playing with them on today's show, are excellent musicians themselves. Joel Savoie is one of the most requested fiddlers in southwest Louisiana today. His brother, Wilson Savoy, the youngest son of Mark and Anne, has made music since before he could walk. Let's close out this week's show with a couple more good dance tunes from the Savoie family band. I think the reason that Cajun music is so identifiable is because of the Cajun accordion. I also think that there's a freedom and a looseness about the music that a lot of other traditional musicians or roots musicians don't feel in their music. A lot of people, especially in the old-time music community, they say, oh, I play so-and-so's version of this song. Where we come from, people play their instrument and they learn the music, they learn the songs, but everybody has their own version of the songs. They have their own interpretation of it. And it introduces this type of freedom, like there's not this rigidity in Cajun music that you feel in a lot of other musics. And I think that it has a lot to do with just the way that things are in Louisiana. It's a very loose and kind of wild place. And I think the music reflects that. And so you hear this accordion and you hear this super heavy rhythm and all kind of other wacky improvised stuff going on in the background. And that, to me, that's what Cajun music is.
Mark, Ann, Joel, and Wilson Savoie recorded live here at the Ozark Folk Center State Park in Mountain View, Arkansas. We just heard J'ai passé devant la porte, which means I passed by your door, and some more of the Bosco Stomp. Thanks for listening to our show. We'll be back next week with more good music from the Ozark Folk Center. For links to the Savoie family and to listen to all of our earlier shows, look for us on the web at ozarkhighlandsradio.com and be sure to like us on Facebook. For Ozark Highlands Radio, this is your host, Dave Smith. Bye, everybody. Ozark Highlands Radio is produced by Jeff Glover. Executive producer is Darren Dorton. Additional support for this program comes from the Committee of 100, 
proudly supporting the Ozark Folk Center State Park since 1974. Arkansas State Parks, with 52 unique reasons to visit the natural state. On the web at ArkansasStateParks.com and by Stone Bank, with deep roots in Mountain View and a deep respect for those who preserve our heritage. More information about what it means to bank Boulder is at StoneBank.com. For information on upcoming shows and events, we are on the web at OzarkHighlandsRadio.com. Until next time, I'm Donna Farrar.